Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is Thursday, June 23rd. Hard to believe this is our penultimate Thursday, June episode. The baseball season, as always, flying by. Michael Beller, Al Melchior, here with you on this Thursday, as we are basically every Thursday during the baseball season. And as is always the case on these Thursdays, we've got a great guest lined up for you. First, though, let's bring in Al Melchior. What's going on, Al? How are you? I am very, very good at tossing out the penultimate Thursday there. Uh, just put, putting everything in perspective as this season flies by. Penultimate. I've got a Uniball Ultimate Pen in my hand. Love these pens. It's a great pen. I did not get paid to say that. I feel like I should get paid to say that. <laughs> it's a great pen. I'm ready to take notes on everything that Michael Waterloo is going to bring to the show right here. Michael, of course, uh, you can catch all of his writing on The Athletic. You can also find him on Twitter at Michael Waterloo, yes, just like uh, where Napoleon lost uh, his final battle for the French army. Michael, what's going on, man? How you doing? Not too much, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I uh, just got done listening to ABBA's song Waterloo 2 to, uh, to get me ready for the oh podcast, so uh, I'm ready we are to just, go. We are awash in Waterloo. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, <laughs> maybe you'll find your Waterloo on this podcast. Who knows? <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I hope not, man. I mean, Elba sounds beautiful, but I'm not trying to get exiled. I'm not trying to do any of that. I'm just trying to stay exactly where I am, at least for the time being. And where I am is digging into your latest stock watch column. Again, this was just published yesterday, Wednesday, at The Athletic. So Athletic subscribers, go ahead and check that out. And Michael, what we're going to do here is just run down some of the players that you highlighted and at some of the buy guys, some of the sell guys, maybe a hold guy or two as we get into it. So the first guy who I want to bring up, and let's talk about him, is C.J. Abrams, recently recalled back to the Padres after the Manny Machado injury so we know the playing time should be there for him you have him listed as a buy is this purely playing time based or do you have anything else here that also points the arrow up for him it's it's mainly a drive from the playing time base I mean the Padres aren't really ready to commit to Machado being out long term but if you saw that injury like it just made me cringe the way that his ankle bent in I believe it was an inverse sprain uh, but I'm not a doctor uh but you know, I admittedly buy into prospects more than I should. I fall victim to the shiny toy syndrome all the time. And I was very, very excited seeing Abrams get the call on opening day. But you saw he he struggled, but he's also a very, very young, young player. So whenever uh, the Machado injury happened, like my first wish was I hope Machado is OK. Like he's an MVP caliber year. And then looking at the fantasy landscape, I'm like, you know, Abrams is making noise in triple A. Uh, whenever he got sent down, he was hitting 314, 364, 507 with seven home runs and 10 steals. And the speed is the biggest thing for a- uh, Abrams. He has 80 grade speed. And I wrote in the column, if you know a team out there in fantasy that doesn't need speed, let me know and I'll Venmo you a dollar. Times are a little tight right now. So, you know, I- I'll give you a dollar, though. That's fine. But 
the playing time is going to be there for him with the injuries that they have with Fernando Tatis's setback that he has. And also he can play a little bit outfield too. He can play right field for the Padres if they need to, but of course they're going to need him to hit, but I'm kind of looking at 14 to 15 steals for the rest of the way. If he's able to kind of stay in that lineup. Remember, this is like a top five to 10 prospect in baseball for a reason. Well, I will admit that probably the main reason why I'm not sure that I'm going to be going aggressively after Abrams in my leagues is because I I guess I'm not as confident in the playing time when Machado comes back. So um, are you concerned at all about a a challenge from Hassan Kim? Or, uh, I mean, you just think that the skills, basically the performance is going to carry the day for Abrams? I think it's uh, the performance is going to kind of carry it. If he's able to hit and he shows he's able to kind of uh, take care of major league pitching, I think they'll find a, I think they'll find root for him. Maybe if that is Hassan Kim isn't, you know, if he's the person who goes to the bench, I I think you'll see Abrams uh, getting that lineup regularly. And I'm still not convinced that Machado isn't going to be out for an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. So I think Abrams is going to get a lot of leash in the short term to show that he belongs in the long term. All right, let's get on to another shiny new toy, the shiniest and maybe also the newest here, O'Neal Cruz. The case, the by case, case speaks for itself on O'Neal Cruz. This is one of the best prospects in baseball. He looks the part. We've been waiting for him to get up with Pittsburgh. He is now up with Pittsburgh and up for good. So instead of making that buy case, if you do buy, what would someone from the future, someone comes back from October 1st, what would they have to tell you for you to say, Yes, that buy case really came through for me. O'Neill Cruz did what I expected him to do the rest of the season. And just to be just to be totally clear, we're talking redraft leagues here. Yeah, I think uh, by the end of the year, if that person's going to come back to me, uh, I want to hear more that they do. Like O'Neill Cruz does remind me more of Aaron Judge than he does Franchi Cordero, because we know both guys have those very loud tools can just make insanely loud co- uh, contact, but. Franchi Cordero is just the guy who doesn't belong in the big leagues, really, you know, little short sustained success. Uh, so that's really what I need to see. The the size, the six foot seven at shortstop is something that we've never really seen before. Um, you're, you're seeing him shatter Pirates StatCast records left and right. The hardest hit ball that the Pirates have had in StatCast era came from O'Neill Cruz last September when he had three major league plate appearances. That was the hardest one since 2015. The guy is just an animal, but... At six foot seven, you worry about his mechanics. If he, uh, how he's going to be able to control the zone. He made that insane throw we saw left and right all over Twitter. Uh, the hardest thrown ball, ball by an infielder all year. The second hardest throw in the game next to Caleb Killian. But he didn't exactly fill that ball very cleanly. So you worry about is he going to try to overcompensate for his defensive. Uh, lack of ability with his arm and eventually it's going to catch up. I don't think he stays at shortstop in the long term, but kind of that's a future problem to worry about. Um, But yeah, the hype is insane right now. Uh, I'm buying it, but the best time to sell a prospect is whenever the, uh, he's at the peak of his value, which is kind of right now for Cruz too. So if I had him, I I wouldn't mind floating him out there in redraft leagues just to see what people need, but it could come back to bite you just because the talent and the upside is immense. Well, let's uh, stick with the Pirates here. Uh, words that maybe we couldn't have imagined saying on one of these podcasts a few hey, weeks back. They but... just put a hurt on the Cubs over the last couple of days. I guess the Cubs yeah. got him back a little bit yesterday, but you know, some some fun with Pittsburgh right now. Uh, yeah, and uh, we've been saying that you know for the last week or two. Uh, and uh, Jack Sawinski has been a, a regular part of that conversation. Uh, so I know he is also included as a buy in your column. 
what what have you seen from him so far that um, caused you to to go ahead and include him in the column? For me, uh, I'm not buying him on the same level that I am Abrams and O'Neill, and a lot of it is he doesn't have that prospect pedigree. Uh, admittedly, when he came up and I saw he hit his first home run, I tongue-in-cheek quote tweeted and said, wait, is this a real guy? Because I'd never heard of Jack Swinski before. It <laughs> turns out he came over to the Pirates in the Adam Frazier deal with Tupacita Marcano, I believe. Um, but he's, you know, when, as he continued to make more noise and noise, he had the three home run game where everybody's like, okay, we need to pay attention to this guy. But as we know in fantasy, you're not paying for the stats that have already happened. You're going to pay for what's to come. So whenever I started looking at him, it's, you know, the, the strikeout rate is high, but the whiff rate isn't terrible, still a little high, but what he's doing is he's pulling the ball a ton. And even though the average exit velocity isn't great, the swing is made for PNC park and that right field porch that they have the Clemente wall. So I'm not buying him in 10 teamers or like I wouldn't O'Neill Cruz or 12 teamers. Like I would CJ Abrams, but 15 teamers I'm in for Sawinski. I, I think you can see something like a 245, 250 average with 27 home runs by the end of the year. And I definitely think that's uh you know, that's viable, but there's also a lot of guys in the fantasy game right now who will give you that similar production. So he's definitely a five outfield deeper league guy. Fits into that realm and certainly something we like about him. Really no path, uh, no one blocking his path to playing time. So that's certainly a nice thing that Swinski's got going the rest of the year, at least it seems right now for the Pirates. How about Lucas Giolito? This is a guy who is on the sell side. We had to get some sells in here too. And I mean, this has just been an uneven season and just we've now gone you know a few outings in a row where it's been ugly for Giolito. And sure, yesterday you can say Blue Jays, you know, they're going to hit even the best pitching in baseball. But still, this has been a pattern of inconsistency from Lucas Giolito. He was included at the end of your column where it's just quick hitters. You got players listed, buy, sell, hold, whatever the case might be. So let's expound on that a little bit. What's the sell case for Lucas Giolito? And I think just as importantly, what are you accepting? What does someone have to come with you to to actually make you motivated to move Giolito right now? Yeah, I had those quick hitters in there because uh, I could have went 10,000 words or so in this column, but I care about my editors way too much to put them through that. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's really dangerous just to kind of pull up StatCast pages and say, look, look, this guy's bad because there's a lot of blue or this guy's good because there's mm-hmm. a lot of red. So you kind of got to dig deeper. And the person who knows the most about the stuff, in my opinion, is Eno, uh, Eno Saris here at The Athletic. And you know, he, he wrote that the stuff plus has been improving, but the location has been off and he's just been average or below based on pitching plus and is losing his horizontal movement. And whenever I'm looking, I'm seeing a guy who's getting hit really, really hard and his whiffs are down for non fastballs. But even though his fastball whips are OK, they he's allowing a lot of uh balls to sneak through on his fastball and still allowing a lot of hard contact on that fastball. So could he be a tweak away from fixing it? I think he could, but just to kind of give you a little bit of like context here for how poorly he's doing. uh, This is a points league report that I do. I keep track of the points league standings. We know Javi Baez has been bad. I took a couple digs at him in the column. All fun. I don't hate Detroit, but we know points format is not his format because his plate approach is terrible in points league uh, standings for the year to date. Um, he is performing better than Lucas Giolito. So right now in a format that favors pitchers, Javi Baez is outperforming 
Lucas Giolito. And that's just kind of speaking to how bad he has been. Uh, for your question, Mike, uh, what would I want? I think there are people out there who are still like, okay, this is Lucas Giolito. He's this fringe ace that I drafted. I'm going to try to buy low on him. So if somebody's out there who wants to do that, I'm okay kind of I'm okay with that trade-off. I, I, if, if somebody is super down on a, I, I doubt you can do this, but a Kevin Gosman because he had a rough stretch, I would take that deal. If I need to fill another position, I would kind of look for a struggling hitter or a hitter that's kind of turning things around. If you want to look at the column and look at some people to buy, target one of those guys. But I, I'd still want a top hundred return if I could. But you know that I, I just don't know if it's going to be there for Lucas Giolito rest of the way. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, well, another pitcher that you mentioned in the column uh, is a sells Mackenzie Gore. And up until these last two starts, both against the Rockies, uh, he had just been remarkably consistent. I, mean, I think you could say that he really didn't have a bad start. Uh, until uh, the, these last two against the Rockies, they were both really bad, including the first one, uh, which was in San Diego. So I know from you know reading your piece and just you know just from what you know we would observe with common sense that that's that's kind of a scary thing when you take what's often considered the the most uh, favorable matchup in baseball and and you blow it. Um, what is it about Mackenzie Gore? Uh, whether it's those two starts or maybe something that goes back a little further that worries you the most about him going forward. Yeah, you mentioned the Rockies, and it's just like, I guess we all fear the Rockies everywhere for Mackenzie Gore managers, because uh, in the two games against them, he has a 19.89 ERA, and in nine games against everybody else, he has a 1.50 ERA. And the one thing I point out that I just don't understand is, he. Uh, what we know, Coors Field is hard to throw your breaking pitches, and the uh, they all get suppressed there. But he threw his curveball a season-high amount in Coors in his last start. It just really, really doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but the one thing that kind of stood out for me is a decrease in fastball velocity in his past few starts, and he's been getting hit uh, hit harder overall. Now, I will preface this by saying that uh, 
earlier in the season, I thought that the Padres would send down Mackenzie Gore, maybe save him for the end of the year, because if you look at the rotation, I like to call it the best worst rotation in baseball because they have a lot of really good names. But aside from Joe Musgrove, you're like, okay, like you Darvish is having a bounce back a little bit. There's Mike Clevenger, which, okay. There's Blake Snell, who knows what you're going to get with the Jekyll and Hyde each day. And then they signed uh, Nick Martinez to a three-year deal also. So to me, I'm like, that's five spots. Unless they're going six-man, they're committed to Martinez. But Martinez was used for a save opportunity on Wednesday night. So the big reason I was talking about selling Gore is I thought that, you know, you capitalize on his value before he got sent down, before the Padres kind of manage his innings. But if they continue to use Martinez out of the bullpen like this, I'm kind of shifting Gore to a hold. Um, I would like to see the fastball velocity kind of creep back up and kind of not allow as much hard contact. And it's ebbs and flows all year for people. So maybe this is just a down stretch and we need to see Gore kind of uh, reacclimate to the league like they're doing to him. We go a little bit down into the column and you get uh, this line here that I'm going to just read verbatim. It's not a Waterloo column if we don't talk about Alex Kirilov. So I guess it's also not a Waterloo podcast if we don't talk about Kirilov (laughs) as well. Back with the Twins, you've got him as a buy. I guess that's obvious from the context of that sentence. Uh, What's the case for buying Kirilov right now? I am going to die on this hill. I love Alex Kirilov (laughs) ever since he was drafted out of Plum High School. That he got Tommy John's just like, okay, this is one of the best pure hitters that I've seen. His hit toll just drives him. But the injuries, the injuries are what we've been seeing stall him. And it, it's really been that wrist injury for Kirilov. We saw it uh, pop up in 2021 after his hot start. And if you look at the numbers there, you can see pre wrist injury, he uh, had an expecting batting average of 317. After the injury, 281. Average exit velocity went from 96.5 down to 89.7 and hit rate, uh, hard hit rate down to, from 63% to 40%. So the wrist injury, he ended up getting surgery. We all came into the preseason saying, okay, it's Kirilov season, SZN, you know, it, it, it's going to happen. Just like it's going to happen with Gavin Lux and all these other young guys. Now is the time. And of course I wrote a column on it because I'm an Alex Kirilov guy. Um, but we saw the struggles early on and we're like, okay, like it's a small sample. What's going on? And we found out the wrist is still hurting him. Uh, but that wrist seems to be just fine. If you look what he did in triple A, uh, before getting recalled, he was hitting a slash 359, 465, 641 with 10 home runs and 65 runs and RBIs. And he got recalled. We're dealing with the smallest sample, but his exit velocity is up to 93 miles per hour and his hard hit rate is up to 54. So right between that pre and post injury numbers that we saw in 2021. It's still very, very early for Kirilov, but the ceiling is incredibly high for him. He's a first base outfield eligible guy in a fantastic lineup. And I think the window is going to be closing on him. If if you want to acquire him in redraft or dynasty. All right. Well, uh, you have uh, some blue Jays on this list. Uh, Lord is Guriel in the buy column. And um, I'm, I'm going to be, I guess, devil's advocate here for a little bit because it's been overall a disappointing season for him, but definitely a surge in June. Uh, but that surge has been more in terms of batting average than extra base power, a 451 Babbitt for the month. That's the sort of thing I look at. And I actually think the opposite. <laughs> so I, I think that is a, a, the hallmark of maybe somebody you would sell. So, um, well, I guess you know, maybe if, if you're the, the, the Guriel uh, manager, uh, what what reason could you give me to actually trade for him? 
Sure. I, I like to look at trends. And I think with Lord Scurriel, like if you look at the past few years, his rolling Woba chart, you see the slow starts every year, March, April, May. And then you see the spike in June, July, slight downtick in August, back up September, October. It's kind of who Gurriel is. And it's not just the Woba, but you see it with WRC plus the uh, throughout those months, it goes from 75, 80, 159, 123, 90, 142. That's his career numbers. And you see the similar trend with all of his numbers. We're seeing it this year again, too. We're seeing a higher uh, hard hit rate, exit velocity and launch angle starting to pop back up in June, too. So I think with Guriel, he's kind of the perfect roto guy. Um, I know this is kind of a points-based call, but I like to kind of cover all the bases there. And by the end of the year, I just kind of think that the numbers will be there. Um, it, is, it is kind of a batting average trend right now for June, but I'm kind of looking at those past numbers and those rolling graphs to see that, hey, we've seen this not just one season from Guriel, not just two seasons, but multiple seasons. And whenever I start seeing those signs that we may be seeing again, I'm looking to buy cheap when I can. Let's get a hold guy in the mix here, Michael, and specifically, let's get Isak Paredes in the mix. The three-homer game from just a couple days ago obviously jumps out at anyone. He's got nine homers now on the season. What makes him a hold? What makes him a hold versus a buy or a sell here? Yeah, we always hear buy high, uh, sell low, or uh, you know, buy low, sell high, anything like that. I think I got it backwards at first, but hey, it works no matter what you do. But for Esau, yeah. <laughs> for Esau Paredes, he's a guy that's just like, okay, when you see the that uh, that that homer barrage he's he's been on, it's easy to say like, okay, like maybe this is this this stretch of Stephen Kwan. I didn't sell him when I could have, and I could have cashed in those chips or Brandon Drury on that hot streak, but. Isak Paredes just looks like a guy who might be good. If you look, they gave up Austin Meadows for him, who the fantasy industry kind of over uh, overrated for years now. Um, but uh, Isak Paredes is a guy who just has really good quality of contact skills. If you kind of look under the uh, under the hood a bit, he has the same barrel rate as Jose Ramirez, a higher hard hit rate than Jose Ramirez, and a slightly lower average exit velocity than Jose Ramirez. He's he's not Jose Ramirez at all i'm just trying to give some context there for what he's sure, doing sure. and uh Appreciate it. yeah yeah he he just makes really good contact and just does not strike out at all and we know that the rays have kind of hacked into st louis and stole their devil magic to make these guys kind of appear out of nowhere so i'm buying into isak paredes if somebody wants to overpay you know that that's fine but i think most people right now are kind of looking like oh who's this guy i haven't really heard of him before i know he was a guy in detroit system didn't really do anything and people may not give you the return that you want so if you're going to sell these guys you want to sell them for a high mark and if they're not going to give you that price then sit back and enjoy the production that you're going to get uh let's talk about patrick sandoval who you you not only wrote about but had an imaginary interview with uh that was uh, pretty entertaining uh, but you, you make an argument uh, about Sandoval being being sort of frustrating to have on your roster this year because of the pitch mix and not utilizing the changeup nearly as much. I did see a, an interesting trend with him that the last four starts, the whiff rate is up, even though the changeup usage hasn't really rebounded. So wh- what do you make of that? Because I think you could look at it as, you know, maybe it's that makes it the perfect time to sell on Patrick Sandoval or is there maybe an interpretation that he's finding other ways to succeed? Yeah, that's a uh, good point that you bring up, Al. For me, it's just 
the reason that everybody was talking about Sandoval, he was everybody's favorite sleeper this year coming into the season. One of everybody's, and it was because of that great pitch that he had. You talk about Matt Brash's slider. You talk about Patrick Sandoval's changeup to the best pitches you can find in baseball. So for me, like you, if he's not doing that and and there's really not an explanation for it, it, it's kind of hard for me to buy into uh, despite the ways that he's finding to get those whiffs. Otherwise Um, I would kind of, look to sell if, if somebody's kind of buying they're seeing that that trend that you pointed out out i'd be okay kind of taking my l and if we're seeing that sandoval is finding other ways to get people out i'm okay living with that um but whenever i see him avoiding arguably the best pitch in baseball um you know it's kind of hard for me to kind of buy into him having that sustained success Leody Tavares back with the Rangers. Will it feel so good this time? We saw 134 plate appearances of Leody with the Rangers in 2020. We saw 185 last year. Not great results in either of them, but he's back with the Rangers. And now he lands as a buy for you. And as you point out, he's got two things that we love in the fantasy world. Doesn't matter what sport we're talking about. We love opportunity. He's got that right here. How much of that weighs into why you're buying into Leody? Almost all of it. I mean, opportunity is huge. It's the most overlooked thing in fantasy. Uh, You'd love to see him hit toward the top of the lineup, but he really needs to earn that. But the one thing with the Rangers is it feels like they didn't want to bring up Leody Tavares until they knew he'd be here to stay. And it doesn't seem like he's going to be bouncing back and forth. So I don't want to say this is kind of a do or die season for him because he's only 23. But it it kind of is um, for fantasy managers, at least I Love targeting post-hype sleepers. And as I wrote in the call, and he's like a post-hype, hype, hype, post-hype sleeper because like he was just kind of forgotten about because there were questions around his hit tool. But he has the speed. He has the opportunity. He hasn't been great so far. But uh, he did have seven steals in triple A and a good slash line with a decreased strikeout rate. And the, the other thing that we don't really keep track of for fantasy purposes is his defense. He's a really, really good defensive outfielder. And I kind of thought that he would uh, usurp Adelise Garcia this year, but Garcia is kind of proving everybody wrong by showing he has staying power. But I question how, how long that's going to be for still. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a guy I think can give you a double digit home run, double digit, digit steal going forward and play almost regularly, though the batting average is in question. Well, you know who hasn't been a very good defensive outfielder, at least by the metrics? It's Connor Joe. Uh, and so I, I think it's very easy to see why you've got him listed uh, in the cell column, uh, here, uh, not a ton of production since April from him. Uh, how, I mean, how much of, how much urgency is there if you've got him, let's say in like a 14, 15 team league, uh, to, to try to get some value for him. Are you concerned about playing time? not really concerned about playing time and it's really hard to sell a Rockies hitter because they play like half their games at home which you know is great but like you said Al he hasn't had really any production since April he's averaging one steal per month he has one home run since April and uh it it just right now he seems just kind of a empty average OBP guy I still like him in OBP leagues I think it's fine I think his marks around 360 or so but he's struggling against non fastballs and it's good because he's going to see a lot of fastballs playing in Colorado, but you know, we're seeing his chase rate start to kind of spike too. And that's due to pitchers kind of making him chase on fastballs and breaking pitches uh, this month, especially. So 
I think there's always that, you know, we hear about for dynasty leagues, there's that Yankees or Dodgers tax whenever there's a prospect out there. Austin Wells, good player, but he's going to be valued even more because he's with the Yankees. Uh, Maddox Brun, same thing with the Dodgers. I think there's that same tax uh, for redraft leagues with Rockies hitters too, because you're able to kind of attach course field to them. So I'm not exactly urgent to sell him. I don't think he hurts you. I just don't really see why, how he helps you. And if somebody wants to buy into the Coors Field narrative and remembers his very, very hot start, I'd be okay flipping him because I don't, I don't really know what he's going to do for you. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Paredes, Leody, Tavares, Connor Joe, fun enough guys to talk about. Let's get back to someone who is very firmly on our fantasy radar, start of the season, and pretty much is always going to be, and that is Charlie Morton. Been an uneven season for Charlie Morton. The ERA still pretty ugly, up at 484. The ERA estimators like him a little bit better than that. Not a surprise given the fact that he's still striking out a ton of batters. 26.7% K rate on the season for Charlie Morton coming off an 11 strikeout game in his last outing. You've got him as a buy. So I'm going to put this to you in a similar way. I put it to, to Lucas Giolito because we all, you know, we, we, we know who he is a well-known commodity at this stage. If you're out there buying Charlie Morton, how are you treating him in trade discussions? What are you willing to give up to get Charlie Morton on your team? And let's just assume for the sake of the ease of the conversation, a team that is generally like, you know, average in pitching, like not desperate to add a starter. Yeah, uh, I'd say, hey, Michael, I was looking at your team. I could see that, uh, that, that, that right now you, you, you really need to kind of make that push. I have Lucas Giolito, and I see that you have old man Charlie Morton. Like, how would you like to swing a deal there and swing for the fences? Uh, I'm, he, he's just the guy that I, I've been high on all season. And it's just, like you said, it's been a roller coaster. But every single time you can just see that we're so close to turning the corner with him. And I think people who have him are probably like, okay, I've been through this roller coaster with Charlie Morton. So like he's had three great starts. I'm going to sell him now because uh, I've already been through the lows with him. I don't want to deal with it anymore. I'm going to sell high. And I'm like, thank you. Let me buy him. Um, and, And we're seeing in June. The whiff rates have just really spiked 38.3, 48.9, 46.7, respectively, in his last three starts. And, uh, you know, it's I don't think we really put enough emphasis on how how hard it would be for Morton to return from that leg injury that he had. Uh, Because, you know, we always talk about shoulders and arms and obliques and whatnot, but we don't really think about the uh, I believe it was his drive leg that he had that that he broke in the World Series. So I, I think it just took him a little bit more time to kind of get back from that in the uh, I think with Eno's numbers, the stuff plus has always just been kind of average for Morton this year. 
but I'm really, really encouraged what we're seeing the past three years. So I would try to go after the person and make them think that they're selling high on an old guy and I can just reap the benefits. Well, you, you paired a couple of Blue Jays uh, starters here, and I, I thought this was really interesting. And, and you put a guy on my radar, Maximo Castillo, and you're you're kind of looking ahead in this column and saying that may, you you could conceive of Castillo maybe pushing Ross Stripling to the bullpen. So, how do you see that that scenario playing out, and in what types of leagues? Should we be starting to think about Castillo? Yeah, uh, he's a guy that I really took note of last year. And uh, I've been really kind of watching how he adjusted from double A to triple A. And uh, I'm just not a Ross Stripling guy. I know he's fine. Like, he's just a boring guy. Like, sometimes he's going to give you that good workload. Sometimes he's going to get smacked around. But with Hyunjin Ryu out, if the Jays don't trade for a starter, we know that it's kind of cutthroat in that division. So I'd really like to see Castillo get a shot. Um in, in that rotation, he's pitched one so far and it was against the Yankees and they took him deep out of the pen. But hey, you know, first uh, f- first game jitters. So that's OK. He is a deep league guy. Uh, for context, I have him rostered in uh, two twenty teams and two thirty team leagues. Uh, so I think that's where he's at. And Al, I hate to say AL only because we're in the same AL only league. Uh, so <laughs> I may have to increase my uh, bid on him a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I watch a lot of the, the Jays and. He, he really handled the transition from double A AA to triple A well with a 6.6 ERA, 0.73 whip, and a 29K percentage. And that was over 27 innings. Granted, the strand rate was 100%, and the bad BIP was 138. We know that that's not going to continue. But uh, he, he went seven innings. He showed he can go deep into start. So I'd really like to see them give him a shot, even if it's kind of following Ross Stripling and kind of make them a, uh, an opener-follower duo. I'm always fascinated to see what teams that are pointed to the playoffs, which certainly the Blue Jays are, and it's not like they've locked up a postseason berth on June 23rd, but pointed to the playoffs, we all expect them to be. They're always interested to see what they do with guys who could ultimately be late-season difference makers at this point of the season. So maybe it plays out well in the fantasy world. Maybe it plays out in a meaningful way beyond 20-team leagues in the fantasy world, and maybe it doesn't. But we know just with the team that's thinking already October, It'll, it's always interesting to see. You know, I always, I always just think back to 06 and Adam Wainwright when the Cardinals obviously knew he was going to be a big part of their rotation for the future, turned him into the closer, and we all know what he did in that postseason run for the Cardinals. I'm not saying that's what Castillo's going toward, but just having that in mind, it's one of those fun little subplots that we look for in a season that is as long as the Major League Baseball season. Uh, something that I didn't necessarily think I was going to see, no matter how long I was a baseball fan, was this sort of performance from Martin Perez and Eric Lauer that we've seen this season. You've got both of these guys listed as a sell. These are guys who we thought we knew backwards and forwards coming into the season. They have both significantly outperformed expectations thus far this year. Is the sell case as simple as it seemed? Like, does it does it write itself with what these guys were and what they are now and what we can realistically expect them to be the rest of the way? Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> I hate to make it like a one-word answer. And I know the intro of my column is all about like, okay, look at the signs presented to you. Look at the information you're given. Like, maybe try to take some time to change your mind. And that's fine for a young player like Jazz Chisholm, but we know who Martin Perez is, don't we? Like, it's what we're starting to see, the hard hit rate come back. The whiffs are slowing down. Uh, he's a loud at 348, uh, 324 batting average, 422 slugging percentage, 348 uh, Woba to hitters in June. 
maybe I'm just stubborn and I don't really know if anybody is really even buying Martin Perez because he feels like the Eric Hosmer of April that we saw where it was just like, okay, this is cute, but we know this is going to come crumbling down. It's just, it hasn't happened yet for him, but I I'm okay. Just to keep letting it go. It's June 23rd. I haven't bought in yet. And if it, by the end of the year, he has like, I don't want to quite say a Rick Porcello type season, whenever he won the like Cy Young, but like, <laughs> I, I'm okay, like missing out on Martin Perez. But if I had him, I, I'd be fine selling him for a top 200 player. Uh, so let's go back to the the Cardinals. Juan Yepes made your sell list, and I I can kind of see the the argument for that. I think there's actually a number of ways that you could go, you know, that you could go that way. But um, one of the reasons I think I would be reluctant to sell on Yepes is just looking at those 30 home runs, 31 home runs, excuse me, uh, at the AAA level across 114 games split between last year and this year, and just waiting to see that kind of power potential be realized. Um, so, I mean, do you, you foresee uh, some some potential uh, seller's remorse there or you see no worries about uh, selling on, on Yepes? I, I was excited whenever I saw his name here because uh, he is a guy that was one of the hardest calls for me in the article uh, because this could definitely blow up my face and go wrong. Like, no doubt at all, especially with the struggles that the Cardinals have had in the outfield this year. Uh, Dylan Carlson not being good. Tyler O'Neill hurt again. So the playing time is going to be there. And we talked about how much that we like the playing time and how valuable that is. I just don't know if I buy him as a power guy. Um, and I know after you mentioned the kind of 30 home, uh, 31 home runs there, uh, Al, that kind of sounds like flip. But wait. But if you look, we're seeing the exit velocity, launch angle, barrel rate all down. The hard hit is up, but the fly ball percentage is down. Uh, there's a good average and good playing time, but I'm kind of concerned that it's going to translate to the power that kind of we expected to see. And if you look at his hits for the month, nine out of the 14 are singles. So he's not really even providing that extra base hit that that, that you want. Um, I know that this could definitely blow up my face and that's fine. I think he's a quality hitter. I think he's a good guy to have in Dynasty, but I just kind of question the power rest of the season for, uh, for redraft legs. Fading the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm wearing a Chicago Cubs shirt, which you listeners can't see. But, I mean, if that's not a great place to end a podcast, I don't know what is. Right? <laughs> let's just – let's do it. And, yes, that uh, – that in, in my 37 years of life, that has come back to bite me like 34 of them. But, hey, that's just life. That's how it goes. Michael Waterloo, thanks so much for being with us again. You can follow all of Michael's work here at The Athletic. You can also get Michael on Twitter at Michael Waterloo. Mike, this was awesome, man. Thanks for being with us on the pod. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. We're calling it a show here for Al, for myself. I am Michael Beller. I don't know why I said it like that, but we're just going to roll with it. We're going to wrap up the episode. Thanks so much for being with us tomorrow, Friday. You know the drill. Al, DDR, they're back with you. Breaking down the waiver wire, coming at you this weekend. Enjoy that episode. Have yourselves a great weekend. We'll be back with you next week. See you.